Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. It, it looks something like this. This is Power Couple Financial Podcast with Ariel Gonzalez from Arrive Financial and Insurance Services and his wife, the 403B doctor, Adela Gonzalez. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Ariel and Adela provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Power Couple Financial Podcast with Ariel and Adela Gonzalez. Hey everyone, welcome to the Power Couple Financial Podcast. My name is Ariel Gonzalez. I uh, dub myself the not your average financial guy. I'm here with my wife, Adela Gonzalez. Hello everybody. And what do you call yourself? Oh, so I'm the 403B doctor. She, She's the 403B doctor and she downplays that. But in reality, if you guys know who she is, you know she's just an absolute beast when it comes to setting up uh, teachers and, and staff on retirement accounts. That's why she's a 403B doctor. So what we have today is the... The absolute privilege and honor. Honey, who are we talking to? Who are we talking to we today? We are talking to the esteemed Dr. Hugh Beatty here in town, the wellness doctor. If you haven't um, come and, and meet with him and see him in his practice, and it's it's definitely an honor to have you on our podcast. Thank so. you very much. I'm glad to be here. Feel yeah. honored. Awesome. So really what we wanted to do, Dr. Beatty, is have you on the podcast and share. We know that you're you're a strong believer on what you bring to the table into the medical profession. And so we saw that you believe on these five pillars of wellness. And so tell me a little bit about that, where where you believe on that and what, what that all those five pillars are. Well, the five pillars of health for me are very critical and they are the hormone balance, gut health, nutrition, resistance training, and sleep. Wow. And then this, I've been looking at the five pillars of health for about four years now. Okay. And then this past year, I found out and understood the importance of the foundation. Yeah. You know, you gotta have a foundation to having pillars, right? The structure right. fall over. And the foundation really is water. You know, making sure that my patients are well hydrated. I saw that, um, the water. How mm -hmm. do you pronounce this, the specific water that you? Um... Well, I drink ionized water. Okay, okay? so ionized and, water. And um, actually the machine I use is Kangen. Okay. Um, uh, the company and they've been around since 71 in Japan they brought it to the United States in 2003 oh. um, because of the health benefits of it and the most important thing I will mention about ionization is that it gets rid of your oxidation so really health is about getting rid of oxidation right. oxidation is the cause of inflammation inflammation leads to all illnesses right. except for congenital illnesses like birth defects, birth defects. So, okay. so that's the whole uh, foundation to the five pillars of health with water being foundation Everything on there is about lowering oxidation. Wow. So let me ask you, back when you first started medicine, mm -hmm. is that something that was even on your radar of of doing something like this? Like, <laughs> well, right? Because everybody wants to go into medicine for a specific reason. I mean, helping people mm -hmm. or, you know, fa following the footsteps of a doctor or family member that's been in the, in, in the industry. Um, is that something what happened with you? No, actually, when I went to college, I wanted to be a chemist. Because really? I, when I was young, uh, the Poindexter, the cartoon, and he was blowing up stuff with his <laughs> chemistry sets. And so I was looking at that. So I okay. went to college to do that. And then 
my uh, at the end of my sophomore year, I worked at Dow Chemical in Walnut Creek up wow. here in the Bay Area. Okay, this is back in '79. And um, after the end of the summer, I realized that I really want to interact with people. I'm a people person, and so I decided to go to medical school at that point. And when I went to medical school, initially I went as a desire to be an anesthesiologist, and I did okay. that as we met yeah that's how we actually (laughs) met so for those of you guys listening on the podcast that's how i had the great pleasure of meeting dr Beatty when we were working um at scoey so i worked at scoey um those of you guys know that um that was my first you know love was 20 years of in the medical field and then i had the pleasure of meeting dr Beatty, assisting him in some of his anesthesia pain management cases and so we just developed a great friendship and i've always admired what he brings to the table and how he his gentleness with his patients his kindness he genuinely cares for his his patients and to me that resonated with just you know servicing people and so that's what I love about what he brings to the table is that he's just not a typical doctor he's you know um, it's incredible you know I've been around a lot of doctors and you know there's only some that I really recognize as wow so, so Dr. Beatty, let's back this up a little bit. Yes. I mean, Adela went ahead and jumped right in and, and got got to the five pillars, and I was <laughs> I was still trying to figure out how to get to the first one. Yeah. Um. Well, when, when you when you tell me about Dr. Beatty as a kid. Yeah. Uh, I want to well, know about that guy because everybody's got a story. I'm sure you yeah. have yours. I want to know about that dude right there. Tell me about that guy. Well, a lot of people might not know this, but I grew up in Compton, Compton, California, okay. and I'm the youngest of seven, so I had um, six siblings, four brothers, and two sisters. And um, it was a little interesting growing up in Compton. Um, and then I went to high school in Utah for two years to kind of get away from the gang violence and stuff like that. I never was in gangs, you know, so but that's you when went the to crip school. started. Utah. So yeah, who, who went school. to Utah? Well, I mean, my, my mom is from Utah. Okay. She was born and raised in Murray, Utah, right outside of okay. Salt Lake City. And I had a lot of relatives in Utah. And oh, so when I went there, I was going to live with my mother's father. Wow. And so um, I stayed there for two years and I had a great time. But I decided that I wanted to go back and finish in California because I thought I had to be in California to get a California scholarship because I wanted to go to school in California, which I didn't have to do. Right. But what do you know when you're 17, 18 oh, years oh, old? Oh, true. So. You, you think you know everything at <laughs> <laughs> that time. Yeah. So, yeah. well, so did you ever, um, did anybody like that you looked up to, whether it's a family member, a family friend that... Mm-hmm kind of you know directed you or helped you kind of say you know what Hugh this is something you should do um you have you know great academics Mm. you know did you struggle at at all in high school or did your teachers ever great student well in fact I'll go back to third grade I had a teacher named Mr. James and he saw in potential in me then because my mom was PTA president uh, several years when I was in elementary because I had so many siblings go ahead of me and so they all knew me. Uh-huh. You know, oh, you know, like, are you as sharp as your brother Carl? Are you as sharp as your brother Michael? Uh-huh. And so actually, you know, not trying to throw them on the bus, but I was exceeding them. <laughs> okay. And so so what happened, Mr. James saw potential in me, so he was giving me homework as a third grader. Oh, wow. And I'm like going home with spelling words and writing sentences and I'm going home yeah. crying like, I got so much homework. <laughs> and so I ran to him years later when I was actually in my residency training in anesthesia at Harvey Soleil wow. he said see I saw the potential that's Aww. why I was giving you homework you're that different than everybody else incredible. but in junior high I was a valedictorian of at my junior high school class I was valedictorian in high school okay. and so so good so things were going to happen to you well something was, yeah, something was going to happen something was going to happen academically academically yeah um, so do you think he besides um, him as far as like well let's go into like college how how did 
how was your um, college days? Did you have any um, setbacks? Were you overwhelmed? Your mom and dad pretty supportive of your decisions? Well, I think the first step, um, college for me, I knew I was going to college. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to get out of Compton area. My brother Carl actually went to the college. I went to Occidental College there okay. in, in Eagle Rock between uh, Pasadena and Glendale. And I actually was had gotten into Pepperdine in Malibu. It just had opened a couple of years earlier. Wow. And I had a roommate at Pepperdine, so at the last minute I decided to go to Occidental, which kind of changed my focus. I was initially going to study the ministry and chemistry. Oh, wow. And then I only went up to, I went to Occidental to study chemistry. Chemistry. And then when I got there, I was around a bunch of heathens went way away from God for 20 <laughs> years. So that's how that happened. But, uh, but so, and then so far as, um, uh, you know, guidance from people. Yeah. You know, I just, I just focus on my, my grades. And I knew that for me, I felt that was the ticket to, to accomplish something. I really wasn't um, so focused on what I was going to necessarily do. Okay. But then I had started having mentors. When I decided to go to medical school, I had a close friend. His brother actually was one of the um, rappers in NWA. Because oh, wow. NWA started in Compton. Uh, oh, uh, Yeller, the, the, one of the, 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 um, the DJs. Oh, okay. Yeah, his brother, Caribbean. And okay. so my friend Arnett Carey was a doctor, he's an ophthalmologist. So he had gone Occidental, plus I knew him, he grew up with me in Compton. So he was giving me advice about, you should go to medical school, he was already at UCLA, so he would come to Oxy and study sometimes. Wow. And so he was giving me a lot of insight, so he gave me some mentors to start working with who were attendings at Harbor, I mean at UCLA and at Wadsworth VA. So I started talking to them, they helped me with my personal statements, get into medical school, and, and had me, helped me to go to certain conferences that would help me get into medical school. Wow. So I did get mentors once I focused on medicine. So then once you focused on medicine, at what point did you decide to go into anesthesiology? What Was it something well, through your residency? Well, for the, for us common folk, honey, can you please explain what anesthesiologists <laughs> are and how they're different from doctors? <laughs> Regular doctors. Well, they, those are the ones that put you to sleep. Okay, those are sleep doctors. No, those, those are the ones that wake you up. And they wake you up, that's Anybody true. Anybody can put they you to sleep. They put you all the way down to the very like last state so that they yeah. can perform the surgeries and yeah. then they wake you up. So well, those are I, the guys to have Really, so they need to be really good. <laughs> really good. Well, Adela, I always say this. What I always say is that, that anytime somebody comes at you with a knife, he's either going to heal you or kill you. I'm there to make sure he doesn't kill you. <laughs> that, that, that's a good person to have. <laughs> See, I never really thought about it like that. But yeah, no, that's important. You you want a good anesthesiologist. Yeah. So um, in, your, in, in the process of medical school, um, so when did you decide to go into anesthesiology? Well, the real, how that arrived was that, because I was a chemistry major, okay. I really liked the basic science of chemistry. And so my pre-med advisor was also the chemistry advisor for me. And he had been saying for two years, because he knew my brother Carl, he knew my brother uh, my brother uh, Carl's first wife, they both had tenoxid, they both wanted to go to medical school. Oh, wow. So he's saying, all these students come to me all the time, want to go to medical school, but your grades are so much better, and I don't understand why you don't go to medical school. Mm-hmm. And so when I came back from that summer job at Dow Chemical, then he finally, I told him, I approached him, I said, hey, I want to go to medical school. He said, about time. He <laughs> said, well, you got to get going. You got these records out the way. Gosh. And so at the time I said, well, I'm kind of leaning toward being a pharmacologist because I still want to do some things with, with you know, med- with, with pharmaceutical things oh. and the, the ring structure. And chem- I really enjoyed chemistry. I love the, the analytical side. So he said, well, why don't you be an anesthesiologist because you can still do research. Okay. Okay. And have patient, hands on patient. Yeah. And I said, wow, that's great. So that's why I decided to do anesthesia. And then I loved anesthesia. Okay. Only part about anesthesia I didn't love, and I don't, I'm not trying to throw it's surgeons politics. on the Politics. No, right. I'm not trying <laughs> to throw surgeons on the table, but sometimes it's difficult working with the surgeons. And oh, you know I can that's see that. True. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so. I 
totally see that. That's a hundred percent for sure. Um, so let me let me ask. Um, being that you know you're a successful business owner, did it, mm-hmm. they teach you in medical school how to run a practice, how to be a business owner? Did yeah. they share anything insight well, with you? There's something Adele I never shared with you before, but um, there was two years when I was transiting before I moved. Actually, before I got married, before I moved to Bakersfield. I took two years off from, from medicine, from 96 oh, to 98. Wow. And I had already begun to learn about investing and finance oh, because when I had finished residency in 89, I had more money than I ever had before and I didn't right. know what to do with it. And right. I was asking my anesthesia colleagues and they were saying, well, don't do what I did. I bought an apple orchard on rented land, right. leased land, and the guy, the lease ran out and I had to get the uh, get rid no, of the and, apple and orchard. And so, so true. Stuff like this. It's so true. So Those I said, I had to learn. I heard. Yeah. You know, they're, so they're... as I started to learn, then what I started to realize, hey, wait a minute, you know, it was at the time when Hillary Clinton was coming along with Bill Clinton. They were talking about all these changes in medicine. And so I was starting to get discouraged. I said, I need to do oh, something wow. different. Right. And so for two years, I started, I uh, took off some time from medicine and I really learned a lot about investing. I said, if I ever go back to medicine, medicine I'm gonna do it differently and so that's why when you met me I was only moonlighting anesthesia oh, gotcha. so I came back and I changed my focus I started doing more focus on primary care right and then when I started focusing on primary care which is medical care mm-hmm. and then in 2013 in December 2013 I finally went to my first wellness conference oh, wow. so I want to plug put the plug in here real quick so that people can understand the difference between medical care and right. wellness care or health care no that's so medical critical. care is medication care so when you go to your physician he's giving you meds right. he's giving you medication for your care. Mm-hmm. I call that sick care. I call that managing your medical problems. That's so true. Wellness care is actually treating underlying cause, healing the person, making them whole. That's why in my uh, lobby I have up there is from scripture from John, John 9, 5, I think it is. It says, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be well? So I want everybody who comes in my office to think about that. Do you want to be well or do you want me to just pat you along? Yeah. Because you're never going to get healthy by doing medical care. Oh, yeah. So I make sure that my patients understand the difference between health care and medical care. And, and, and health care really involves these five pillars with the foundation being bought. Yeah. Now, how much, around now, how much of that, of getting healthy, because I'm, I'm a big believer in mindset. Me, to me, mindset predicts everything. And so how much of getting actually healthy is is in the mind? All of it is. So as you think in your heart, so are you. So if I can get the, so there's people who come to me and say, look, I want my husband to see you. I want my family, I want my, my coworker to see you. And I said, well, if they're not ready and eager to make a change, I'm not gonna be able to do anything with them. And so when they come in motivated, in fact, there's a, uh, one of the wellness courses I went to, this physician said, he said that occasionally have patients a call and he'll say, I don't want to see them until they've seen their third physician, wow. three physician, because I want them to get to at the end of themselves when they finally say, look, nothing's working. I'm tired of feeling this way. Help me. Right. Because when people come and they're just kind of, well, you know, what is my insurance cover? Okay. I don't know if I want to do oh, that. Yeah. I don't want to exercise. Do I have to eat that way? I don't like drinking water. You know, they're not ready for me. And so you're not going to get great results. So when they are finally ready to get healthy, then it's so easy. Yeah. Just a good one path. You know, and it's funny because it also kind of trickles down in what we do mm-hmm. with our clients. Because when we sit down and just talk about budgeting or setting up a retirement, yeah. there's they don't want to. They're like, right. well, I, you know, there's times where I've sat down with people and they're spending $500 on Starbucks coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let's make the change. You, you need to save. You have nothing saved. You need to make a change. Let's start a budgeting. Let's see what comes in. Let's see what goes out. Let's make adjustments. But when you're right, when they're not ready and they don't want to change, 
there's not much you can help them with. Yes. So the mind is powerful when they decide to make that decision to get better. That's so it. that's that's huge. It's so critical. Um, so let's let me just so th- what about running um, besides investing? So that you you knew from you didn't want to do what your colleagues did. So you learned. You took the time to learn about investing and understand money. And so Businesses. how did in the business? <laughs> yeah. And so how did you envision this wellness doctor as far as the practice? Did you always want to do just hand managing pain and um, and having a few? you off or just the one office and a few patients or how did you envision that practice when you first decided okay I should probably have a a place leave anesthesiology and focus on pain management well you know during that period of time early in my 90s when I was learning about investing and and read motivational speakers and a lot lot of books on finance (laughs) one of course is Dale Carnegie you know how to win friends influence people and he said something I'll never forget yeah it was fantastic but he said, if you help people solve their problems in the world, your, the world is your oyster. Absolutely. And I never forgot that. So my practice is all about meeting the needs of the patient. So when the patients come, because what is chief complaint? Chief complaint is just a problem. Right. So when they come, I've always tried to learn how to help that patient. And so if that meant going to certain courses, changing my whole practice, focus away from wow. just, just working as an anesthesiologist to a pain doctor, to a primary care, eventually to wellness, and then learning all these different things. And then that's when you can really help the patient. I've been at medicine for 35 years now, or yeah. 34 years, graduating 85. And so so that's a long time. So it's not too much I haven't seen. In fact, someone today was, I, I belong to BNI uh, Business Network International, right. and someone was saying that their, their loved one is going to have a Whipple procedure and how long it is. Now, no one that was in there understood, but I know I have right. anesthetized people for Whipple procedures. Right. I know what it takes. I know how long that procedure and I know how risky it is. Right. But I didn't want to say anything because she, you know, it was her, her dad and right. she was, you know, a little bit um, sad about the whole issue. But that's what I've seen and exposed myself to. So getting back to the, an- to the, the answer to your question, is this is that when you are focused on what is going on with this patient how can i best help them and when you turn it around and say no i don't want to master symptoms right okay i don't want to manage the most, illness most i want to treat the cause right and then when and now here's the thing i've done this long enough now i got a lot of success stories out there yeah and if anybody follow me on facebook they've seen those success stories in fact i'm one of them i don't look the same i did even five or six years ago, because right. I've lost weight. I hit the gym. I practice these five pillars. Yeah, you have to and believe in what of it, you do. But I feel do. fantastic. Yeah, no, and you look great too. Yeah, um, what's, what's your what's your, what's your weight at weight at right now? By the way, uh, I'm six three and I'm two hundred five. And then would would you weigh up before? Uh, oh boy, I was pushing around two thirty at one point. Okay. But that was about and six years ago. You didn't feel hundred percent. You didn't feel no. good. I, was, I thought I was feeling good. And, mm-hmm. How's your energy? Uh, not good like now. And I'm hormone free. I'm not on testosterone replacement therapy. You don't need it if you, one, if you if you're eating right and you're exercising and lifting weights and and things like that. Then yeah, testosterone is impacted by your cortisol. Your stress level can lower it. The bigger the belly, the lower your testosterone. If you're eating a whole bunch of inflaming foods, especially sugars, mm-hmm. you're going to raise the cortisol, which is going to suppress your testosterone. There's so many things affected. So as I'm eating, I'm exercising. I'm thinking about my body's physiology. You see, and so I tell people, once you learn what to do, it's easy to stay on point because when you deviate, you start saying to yourself, why am I doing that? I tell people, if you eat 80% of the time healthy, you're right. good. You're good, yeah. You see, and so that's what I try to do. 
No, that's incredible. No, I'm ex- that's exciting. Like I'm thinking, okay, we're on the right path. <laughs> <laughs> you are. <laughs> you know, because we're doing this 75 day hard challenge, mm-hmm. and, and really, it's sticking to a diet plan. Mm-hmm. Um, no cheats. Drinking mm-hmm. a gallon of water. Having two yeah. workouts, one outside, and reading a 10 pages of a personal development book. And, yeah. and it's incredible, but it's done a lot. But it has to be a decision that you're mm-hmm. going to do it, yes. and you're going to continue on. Um, what did I want to say? So you you touched back on on Dale Carnegie. So some of the books that you've read and kind of helped develop who you are. Are there any other books out there that you would recommend for young young doctors that are considering going into you know uh, practice on their own? Anything that you can Start encourage with the them? Bible. Okay. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> it's so true. Start there. There's a lot of wisdom in Proverbs. That's the that's manual. The manual. <laughs> that's the foundation, but, right? <laughs> but if you if you look at any wisdom that's going to help you in these these books that are written by men, mm-hmm. you know, if you really think about it, it's going to be biblically based at some point. I mean, no matter what they're saying, you can find truism in, in Scripture. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of good motivational books. In fact, I'm finding myself doing more of that now because I am going through a storm right now and I know that God did not, he didn't bury me, he's pruning me, okay? He's not punishing me, he planted me, okay? And so that's what I'm looking at now, but it does help because here's the thing, when you're not prepared, you know, piss poor planning on your part doesn't make an emergency on my part. And so I keep that in mind. And because you never know what you're gonna have to deal with. so true. You know, like what they say when I grew up in Compton, guys are lifting weights and I, I'm not a you know everybody has different body types I'm not the guy like your husband looks great yeah. but some people can look at a weight and get muscles I don't I just tone up <laughs> so true. and and so but in Compton I had friends they said man they're going to lift weights said you know Hugh you gotta you gotta put make a deposit and you never know when you're going to need to make a withdrawal and what they were talking about somebody might jump on you yeah and you have nothing there you see and so so I keep that in mind you got to put in the time ahead of time yeah, that's incredible. So um, just to, to come back a little bit, um, when you started into private practice, now how did you build your client base? Did you have to go door knocking, like establishing, you know, with your neighbors? And how did you know you wanted to be in Bakersfield of all places to establish? Well, and then were you the guy standing out in front of Walmart? <laughs> no, never stood out there. <laughs> well, it's kind of like when I came, initially I, I didn't know what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was working in urgent care, and I never forget, it was a surgeon, I'm not going to say his name because he's well known, but he saw me in urgent care one day, and then the next day he saw me in the OR. And then the next day I was in the <laughs> hospital admitting a patient, because this was back in 2000, 2001. Yeah. Wow. And I was just doing what I had to do, what my patients needed. And I knew that all these hats I was wearing, I knew I had the skill set for. Wow. The people who saw me work in urgent care did not know I was an anesthesiologist. So when I was working in the OR, I thought she was in urgent care. And then they saw me building a practice. So when I first came to town around about 2000, well, 99, I started working with a family medicine doctor in town, Dr. Richard Heiss. I worked with him for about seven, eight months. He showed me a lot of skills about how to manage patients in the, in the office setting and how to run a business. Then I decided to go ahead and build my own practice. So I went to another doctor's office and I rented space for him up until 2012 for about 12 years. And so I saw up and close how he did things. And I just built one patient at a time. And I, and then and just word because I worked in urgent and care, yeah, care and people. helping people, you'd be surprised. Yeah. If you help people get better, they right. will let other people know. So that's oh, yeah. how it was. I would say 80% of my practice was built on referrals. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. And just to kind of piggyback uh, on what you said, Dr. Beatty, so that's, I got to give my wife uh, kudos because uh, she does not advertise when it comes to what she does for her, her uh, clients that work in the school district. And so 
because of what you just said, as far as, you know, you help, you focus on helping the person, they talk to other people. That's why she is the number one provider of retirement services in the school district uh, now because of that same reason. Amen to that. Yeah. And, and it's the same thing is just providing value, you know, mm-hmm. educating people and, and how you can, can make it better for them. So it's, it's definitely an honor. Um, I'm just kind of reading through my notes, yeah, but well, go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm curious because have you heard of Dr. Naveen Jain? No, I haven't. Okay, Dr. Naveen Jain, Adele and I were at uh, 10X Growth Con, uh, maybe, a ye- what was that? Two years. About two years ago. And Naveen Jain, the guy's a billionaire, he's from India, grew up on a dirt floor, you know, has a great mm-hmm. story. But he is a guy that believes that your gut is actually your brain. And how what you put in your gut affects your mood, your 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 physical state, your, your mental state, everything, and how he's such a big advocate. So stop treating this and start mm. treating this, and it'll take care of everything else. Amen. And so I'm just surprised that you haven't heard of him because he's, yeah. I mean, the dude's, I mean, he's talking about well, putting people on. I on, will definitely look him up. Put he's people on the moon or on Mars or something. <laughs> well, but, that's why if you see on my five pillars, gut health is the second one. Yeah. Because. Because the last conference I went to in in, in um, Florida in April, it was talking about the importance of hormones, especially hormone balance in postmenopausal women, and they're now saying in wellness that all women need to have their hormones balanced after menopause, uh, because it's critical for life expectancy, for decreasing the risk of cancer, and, and decreasing the risk of all cause of death, and decreasing the risk of strokes and heart attacks. So. So I really put a lot of focus there, but you're right about the gut health, especially prior to being postmenopausal. Gut health is essential for everyone, and that's why up front you saw the plaque that says "From your mouth to your butt, how healthy is your gut?" I went to a fellowship course on three days. It was um, uh, 24 credit hours on just gut health, and after I left the concept, wow, the gut is so important, and it starts mm-hmm. in your mouth and ends in your butt. So that's how I came up with that that comment from your mouth to your <laughs> butt actually, out of your gut. Yeah. I thought that comical. was awesome. I want to take a picture of that. You are what you eat, baby. Yeah. Like, literally. I mean, do you see true. like an epidemic here in Bakersfield? It just seems like a lot of people are very unhealthy. And you, do know, you see that a lot? Adela, well, that's called that's called uh, uh, job security, honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, put it this way. You know, patients who have gone through my wellness program, because I do have a wellness program here, and those who have gone through the wellness program now can recognize and see what I see. It doesn't take very me very long. I can be with a person for maybe under five seconds. Don't even have to ask them any questions. And I can see that they're inflamed because there's a certain look to inflame people. You guys look great for yeah. for that. Thank goodness. Matter. I was but, starting to stress but out there a little is. bit there. And so when my patients learn that, they can also look back on themselves and see how inflamed they were. Yeah. I have patients, oh, Dr. Baby, you know, I look so much better before. And nobody wants to do before and after pictures. I have patients right. come in oh, again before and after. No, they all want to do the after pictures. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to do the before. No. And so that's where the critical thing is. But now they're learning. So what happens, the reason why I get so many referrals, because now they're walking advertisement as they walk around and people seeing how great they look. In fact, I got one person in, in mind that I'm thinking about. She's a teacher in town. And uh, she came to me for the first time in February. And she came, her neck was very stiff. She couldn't move around. Um, she, you know, had weight she needed to lose. Her, she was thin in hair and her skin, you know, she had some acne scarring. And just in the short period of time, it's only been less than two months that I've been dealing with the wellness aspect. 
but she's moving her neck around like she's never did before. She doesn't have any pain. Wow. Um, we bounce out her hormones. Her hair is growing. Her skin is cleared up. She's lost about 20 some pounds. And so she went back recently for some, I guess, uh, some pre preliminary things to, to start school, I guess, conferences or whatever. Mm -hmm. And her principal walked right past her, didn't recognize her. Really? You know, wow. and she's, I said, see what I've been telling you? Yeah. I said, you can tell the difference. That's and incredible. And so because of that, people are saying, what are you doing? She said, well, Dr. Baby, I've seen, been seeing Dr. Baby, which yeah. does help. And I see that on your, your website, you also have the CBD oil. Oh, so yes. tell me a little bit about that. How did you kind of stumble? I know, um, you know, it's kind of infiltrated in California. <laughs> so how did you hear about that? What what kind of aspects, where, where is it vital or essential in the whole wellness package? Well, if you look at CBD, it's anti-inflammatory. So I get excited about anything that lowers inflammation. And in fact, when you do resistance training, it releases a enzyme, enzyme or protein called myokines. And those myokines actually are potent anti-inflammatory. So that's why, so everything on here is about lowering inflammation, lowering oxidation. So CBD has properties that lower the oxidation and the body needs it. We actually have natural CBD products in our body. One is called ANNG and R, the other one's called anandamide. We make CBD products. We have four different CBD receptors in our body. That's why this product works. The problem is because of our stress and because we're so inflamed, our body, we don't feel the effects of the CBD. We're overwhelmed. Yeah. Just like we make natural opiates, endorphins right. and enkephalins. So that if you get, you know, break your arm or something like that, those things will spike. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that if you are using opiates all the time, you're not gonna have, it's not gonna have an impact on you. So that's right. why the pain, you know, you have a much uh, uh, lower pain threshold. And so when you're using chronic opiates, but that's what CBD does. And so I use CBD every night. Actually, there's four things I do every night before I go to bed. And everything is done for neuroplasticity of the brain. In fact, someone at BNI uh, spoke up this morning, it was actually an attorney doing estate planning, he said that in the near future, we're gonna have a major problem with dementia. And in fact, the last one, of course, said this, it said the next generation of those people gonna turn 85 next 20 years, gonna be as high as a 50% rate of cognitive decline or dementia. Wow. And so they said people are living longer, but their brains aren't keeping up. Yeah. So yeah. when I take, uh, real quick, I'll tell you this, I take CBD oil every night. Okay. I take uh, 1,000 milligrams of magnesium every night, uh, L-theanine, 400 milligrams, as well as baking soda. Baking I do it every soda. night. So I, I, I just read an article on that. It's kind of like an apple cider vinegar type of thing where people, I can't do it, but I did read that, that mm -hmm. you can actually... So how do you do it? You take a teaspoon or and you just uh, drink teaspoon, it or you... And I put in a half glass of water because I don't want to get up in the middle of the night to urinate. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but, <laughs> but yeah, so like whatever you can the tolerate. cleansing, right? I mean, well, it helps with... Well, you want to alkaline your body when you go to bed at night. You know, there's a lot of studies that show in wellness that alkalinity of the body actually lowers your risk of, I mean, lower your inflammation and lower your risk of cancer. Cancer thrives in an acidic environment, not an alkaline environment. Wow. And then also, you know, not that I had, because I clean up my gut. I don't have acid reflux issues anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, of course, lost weight on my belly. I don't have that pressure on my gut to reflux. Yeah, that's huge. So when I do the baking soda, it's just one more added protection against any type of inflammation right. from acid reflux. But but more importantly, it just realkalinizes my body. It does something called autophagy at night. Autophagy is just a cellular cleansing that the body needs. So I do intermittent fasting. So the longer you don't eat, the more time your body has to clean up itself. And the more you get rid of the cellular debris, the less inflammation, the less oxidation. Do you see how this yeah, all works? It's no. all about, so when people say you do intermittent fasting, my question is why do you do it? I want you to understand why you do it right. because it's hard to work against your body when you know why. Too many things are fad. I try to get rid of the fad part of it and say, look, 
this is what's going on. That gets back to chemistry, reactions, understanding. Some people have difficulty with chemistry because they don't understand really what's going on. Understand what's going on, it gets a lot simpler. Yeah, that's incredible. So when you when you talk about intermittent fasting, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've worked out forever, uh, been around gyms my whole life, and uh, intermittent fasting has probably been hot in the last couple years. And uh, I had a guy ask me, he's like, hey man, do you intermittent fast? I'm like, well, I skip breakfast once in a while if that's what mm-hmm. you mean. Mm-hmm. So can you please like, what is intermittent <clears throat> fasting and how long do you do it? Well, intermittent fasting, I try to uh, fast at least 12 to 16 hours every day. So I try not to eat after eight o'clock and I try to eat my next meal no sooner than 10. Sometimes it's eight o'clock, it just depends on what I gotta do that day. But I get 12 to 16 hours of fasting every day. And even if I do break my fast a little earlier, like eight o'clock, I'll grab a handful of nuts because intermittent fasting really causes that ketosis, all this stuff about ketogenic. You can put uh, ketosis or ketogenic diet on turbo if you intermittent fast for 16 hours, and then if you go ahead and avoid the carbs, you really got ketosis like crazy. And then because I'm in a, a doctor's office, I can always dip my urine, I see ketones. And so if you see ketones, what does ketones really represent? Well, the brain, number one, it's a it's an alternative to glucose. Ketones are very helpful for the brain. Neuroplasticity means healing of the nerves in the brain. Ketones is the, is a thing to do. So it's good for the brain. But what happens is that in order to get ketogenesis or ketosis, what you have to do is make sure the insulin level is low. You see? The problem is because people are eating the wrong things first thing in the morning. Let's say they eat that bagel, they eat that donut, they eat that bread, toast, whatever else, or they eat that banana. What happens, the insulin spikes now. As soon as the insulin spikes, you're gonna lower leptin and you're gonna increase ghrelin. Ghrelin makes you feel hungry, leptin makes you feel full. But worse than that, insulin stores fat. So as soon as you eat some sugary, the insulin jumps up, it's storing that fat. So if you wanna get rid of fat, you gotta have low levels of insulin. So the lower I can keep my insulin, the more autophagy or cellular clean I get, and then the more ketosis I get. So I'm burning Burning fat fat. and I'm never hungry. So So then what what do you eat in the morning? I don't tend to eat in the morning. Well, well you when you break when you break your cycle, when I break my fast, that can be any time. Breakfast, break my fast. Yeah. Uh, uh, usually, I just might be an avocado. It might be uh, just a handful of nuts. In fact, we go in my break room here at the office. We got nuts all in the cabinet. We don't have cookies and we don't have ice cream. We don't have treats. <laughs> what? We have nuts. No. How, how can you only eat a handful? Because my problem is, is I love pistachios, almonds, cashews. Right. I just can't eat a handful though. I eat more than a handful. Yeah. Because healthy no, fats No, I'm talking about protein. like a bag. No, well, I can do that too. That's oh, fine. okay. And I, I get the salted nuts. People, it's a misnomer. People think that you should avoid salt. No, I have something right there in the handout in this wellness uh, book here that I tell people that you need to salt your food. Now, let me go ahead and clarify because it's all based on biochemistry. Biochemistry, there's a signal to the kidneys to release a hormone called renin. And that renin is a response to low sodium levels delivery to the kidneys or you know, sympathetic surge, like you fight or flight, you, you know, you're about to fight somebody, then more blood flow goes to the kidney. And the last one is, is, is a hypotensive episode. You're bleeding out and then you know the, the kidneys are trying to get their perfusion. But what happens, that's a powerful signal. So what is happening in America, um, the average person will salt their food about two grams a day. When the kidneys work in a range of three grams to 11 grams. So the kidneys are working overtime to reabsorb sodium. So when I check people's urine sodium, it's always low. The kidney's trying to hold on, the kidney's working hard. And then when you tell them there's salt restrict, it gets down to one gram of sodium a day. So guess what? Now you got renin release, makes your blood pressure go up. 
And then you go ahead and add on, tell them to take a diuretic. Now you're losing sodium like crazy. They're salt restricted, losing sodium, and their blood pressures are high. When I start, and then there's a reason why we check the sodium range in the blood. And the, so the average person I check, they're around about 132, 133 in their sodium. Then they get the palpitations of the heart, they get the muscle cramps, they get sometimes weakness and brain fog, and they're a lot more prone to heat exhaustion, especially in Bakersfield. There was yes. a reason why 20 years ago we gave salt tabs when people worked out in the sun for a reason we need salt the white substance we don't need is sugar so now we got everybody eating sugar like crazy and avoid the salt that was a misconception (laughs) use the salt avoid the sugar sugar is inflaming salt is healing that's why jesus even said you're the salt of the earth they fought salt wars in the past when you found salt you had a preservative Wow. You see, if you don't use salt, you know, if you lose your salt, you're good for nothing. Just trample underfoot. So there's a reason why you you know that salt is important. So I salt my food. Salt your food. See, Plus it tastes better. He doesn't Plus salt it tastes anything. Better. Well, I would like to see your urine sodium. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm I'm shocked. I'm I've learned a ton where my mind is just kind of like on overload with all the information. It's incredible information. So I hope you listeners out there are are getting taking notes and and definitely taking advantage of the knowledge that Dr. Beatty is bringing to the table and in, in, in this community of Bakersfield that we live in. And so are you taking new patients, Dr. Beatty? Always taking, Always new, taking new patients. you I'm guys. taking so, patients who want to be well. If you want a well. real doctor that <laughs> wants to genuinely heal you from the inside out, Dr. Beatty is your guy. So, Doc, let's go into this. I want I want my, my listeners to understand how to take care of themselves because uh, with people living longer, like you said, it's one thing to live longer. It's another thing to live longer correctly yes, or in a better healthy. state of mind, I should say. So your five pillars are sleep, resistance training, nutrition, gut health, and hormone balance, all of it circumferenced in water. Yeah, the foundation being The water. foundation is water. Because so, we're this, 70% water. So what's a good intake of water a day? Well, half your body weight in ounces. But that should be your maintenance, your baseline. So if you're out there playing golf like I do in the summertime in the heat, you need to drink more. I weigh 205 pounds, so let's just say it's 100 ounces. I need to drink a day, 30 cc's an ounce. So I need at least three liters. So it's just under a gallon. There's about four liters in a gallon. Okay. So if I'm out there playing golf, it's not unusual for me to drink a gallon and a half that yeah. day. Okay, so. Yeah. Okay, so let's, let's go into the first pillar. Is it, does it stop from top to bottom or does it matter? Uh, no, it doesn't matter. But the most important page is the second page. That's that's the important page because it's on the outside. But when you open the, the book, there's a, that page is critical right there. Well, that's going to take like 10 podcasts to get done. <laughs> I know. So if you guys listening, I know you guys can't see this, but it's it's like it starts with cholesterol. drop down menus and <laughs> and looks like an asteroid field. It's, and pretty intimidating pretty complex so that's going to take like 10 podcasts so unfortunately we can't go into that (laughs) but but talk to me about sleep well how i mean i've always heard sleep is vital sleep is important talk to me about sleep how much do we need to get what's recommended and why what does it do to your body well sleep is critical because if you're not getting adequate sleep you can die okay go about two or three nights of lack of sleep you can actually uh, die because your stress hormones go sky high cortisol and in fact, there was a, I saw on the internet where this, this uh, I think it was a Korean surgeon, neurosurgeon, he hadn't slept for 48 hours because they kept bringing him neurosurgical cases to do. Wow. And he died in OR. And oh, he was wow. only about 36 years old. Oh, 30. From just lack of sleep, operating, you know, wow. 48 hours straight, so. 
That's insane. Uh, but sleep is critical. So this is one I usually don't see because there's so many people that uh, when it comes to training, all they really focus on is cardio. <laughs> so you got guys that only do cardio and guys that only do weights. I, I like to do both because I still want to be agile. I still want to be uh, limber. Uh, um, my wife, I, you know, you already know Adele and I both play soccer and I just uh, had my first uh, round of jujitsu on uh, what Tuesday. Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know. One of those days. Anyways, I got my butt kicked all day. <laughs> um, but I believe huge in resistance training, but tell me why. Well, resistance training is critical, especially when you get past you know, your 40s. Um, and they've done a lot of studies that even if you have uh, people in, in nursing facilities, if they can do even five or 10 pounds of resistance training, they're a lot better off than those who can't. Um, resistance, the muscle tone, actually there's so many benefits to it. It's benefits to the brain, brain-derived natural uh, neurotrophic factor. It's good for the kidneys. It's good for your bones. Uh, it helps lower insulin resistance. Um, but more importantly, it keeps your, your joints from being fatigued and getting injured. When, you're, when your muscles are weak, your joints going to be impacted. And so, so what happens, in fact, I got a patient right now I'm thinking of, he's, he's lost a lot of weight. And I said to him, he said, a couple of people are saying I look like I'm sick. I said, yeah, because you don't have any tone. You have to do resistance training. It's not about losing weight. It's about toning. And so so as you tone, you actually will maintain your youthfulness. Resistance training is more critical. Now, here's the thing. I think that men past 40 should not be jogging uh, or running. I have patients come in. I tell them, I say, you're just doing potential damage to your knees and hips. But more importantly, a lot, too much aerobic exercises, actually lowers your testosterone level because it raises your cortisol. There's, the there's cortisol and testosterone. They need to be in balance. The higher the cortisol, the lower the testosterone. The higher the testosterone, the lower the cortisol. Your testosterone raises with resistance training. It lowers with too much aerobic. So I do a little bit of aerobic test to get my body warmed up so I don't injure myself trying to do some resistance training. And, and I do low impact uh, uh, cardio. When I go to the gym, I do a lot of elliptical. I might be on there for 10 minutes. You know, get up a little sweat, and then I'll go and start lifting weights. So 90% of the time, I lift weights. And and how, how big of a deal is it to you to stretch? Because one th one of the things I, I've heard, the adverse to re re uh, resistance training, is like, yeah, well, that's all good that you're strong, but I can tell you, when I get older, I just want to be more flexible. I get that all the time. Yeah, flexible is, is real important. Like the golfers, like Tiger Woods and all those guys, those guys try to maintain their flexibility. VJ Singh. So yeah, it is good to stretch. It's good to do all those different things. Okay, you need to, you do, need to do some aerobic, but you need to do more resistance training. Right. The problem is when you're not well hydrated and when you don't have enough magnesium in your system, that's why I take magnesium at night, those muscles are gonna stay spasm. So you need to do all these different things. So you gotta look at wellness as a program, it's a lifestyle. It's not something that's a chore. I don't look at it as a chore. I look at it says, you know what, I only get one body, this temple here. You know, until I get a glorified body, I gotta take care of this. You can't, you can try to patch it up, but it's never the same. Mm. You see, it's not like a car that falls apart and you just go buy a new car. No, this is your body. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's you only temple. get one, you're right. You only get Absolutely. one. Take care of it. Yeah, you can't change the tires. No. <laughs> so so sleep is one, resistance training. Nutrition is pretty general. What do you mm -hmm. mean nutrition? Like, what's a good nutrition plan? Like, what do you tell your clients? Do you, like vegan? Raw veggies. Raw veggies. Let's start there. Okay. The reason why raw veggies is because whenever you heat something, I don't care if you steam it, boil it, whatever you do with it, uh, or saute it, 
the more you heat those vegetables up, the more you're getting rid of electrons. Remember, I was a chemistry major. I also did a lot of biochemistry. So everything's basically, if you want to think about wellness, think about understanding the biochemical structure of the body. So when you heat something up, you're, you're now taking it from reduced state to an oxidized state. You're discharging the food. It's like a battery. You have a battery in your car. Would you leave your radio on and you walk away for you know seven, eight hours? No, you're gonna come back, the battery's gonna be discharged, you can't start your car. So we're like a battery in the sense. We're like huge, big electro, electromagnets. So everything I look, I said, I need electrons. I'm electron depleted. I got too much oxidation going on. How can I get those states, once again, here's chemistry, get those oxidized states of my body back to a reduced state, to a higher orbit, so that when those electrons fall off, you get electric flow, which is the energy. You see, when I turn these lights off in this in this office, there's no electron flow. There's nothing going from reduced to oxidized. Mm-hmm. And so in the body, there's a lot of stuff going on right now in wellness called mitochondrial dysfunction, but it's all about reduction in oxidation where it takes place, the electron transport system. So, so when you start talking about food, I start thinking about is it live food or dead food? So I want to be as live as possible. So when I eat raw veggies, I'm eating food in a reduced state, not in an oxidized state. So that's yeah. why I start wow, there first. Powerful. Yeah. So are, are you a meat eater? Do you like yeah. meats? Proteins? I love meats. Yeah. Yeah, Proteins. I eat meat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, Me too. <laughs> and then what about like with the carbs? What are the carbs that you feel like no one, like bread? I mean, bread, gluten-free people are on that gluten. If someone put, put a GoPro, well. if they put a GoPro on me, they would see me eat sweets. But that's where it stops, okay? So I, I will reserve my carbohydrates for I like cookies I like a little ice cream here and there but I don't overdo it right. dairy is very terrible and I feel bad in saying that because then people are going to say oh I can eat my cheese no cheese is very inflaming dairy is very inflaming but I just want to be honest with it. but I don't eat breads I don't eat sandwiches I don't uh, eat potatoes and rice I do a lot of cheese every once in a while maybe on a taco what about beans okay I eat some beans but beans is carb you gotta look at the glycemic index uh-huh. so most of my food I would say probably on a given day I eat a lot of raw raw veggies with some lean meat okay and that's why and i have plenty of water i might have a cup of coffee or two a day but mostly i don't drink anything else but coffee or water coffee or water so what i don't about drink green teas tea? and juices green tea, nothing like yeah that. but i get the l-theanine is what's in green tea so i take the l-theanine at night gotcha. you would have to drink probably 10 cups of green tea to get yeah. the l-theanine i get so, so we're already at a disadvantage i would say culturally because all those things that you just talked about Everything is heavily as a know. child growing up mm. that was our i mean would staple. you say that that's so staple <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. so we're already at a disadvantage and then shifting your mindset to to cleanse yourself yeah. of that that's yeah. so but the critical. key to losing weight i want to get this message out the key to losing weight is really the diet it's not i don't care how much resistance training you do and how much aerobic yeah. if you can't get them to change their diet they will never lose weight yeah. you can't There's cheat a bad I diet in the gym for several years mm-hmm. and they just as big as they were before they strong yeah but they're just big that was me no. yeah that used to be me big yeah, time well you look down. great i was strong as a horse but man mm-hmm. i had, had a big belt well not a- no at his heaviest he was 255 mm-hmm. he was big boy yeah. Yeah. strong i mean i was lifting 200 pound dumbbells but yeah. it didn't do me any good if i couldn't yeah. move yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and change. he was definitely inflamed but the key was, was change the diet got rid of the inflammation because when i look at you i don't see a person inflamed you know, if I didn't know how, you know, I know that you and Adele have been married for a good while. Yeah. So if I years. didn't know that, 
and I just met you, I would think you're probably about 31, 32 years old. I would have no clue. I'll take because it. You got Very a good, nice. No, but you got a good hairline. <laughs> let me let me go ahead and, 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 and support what I mean by that. You got a great hairline. Your hair is black. You still got blackness in your, in your goatee and beard. You got the physique of somebody who's youthful. You don't have all that belly stuff. So that's what I look at. Skin it's it's a 75-day hard, honey. Yeah. Stick to it. Yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so the next one is gut health. We did touch on that a little bit, and I, I'm a big believer personally. Actually, we both are. Um, for me in business, I like to be sharp. That's why I like to work out every morning because mm -hmm. I feel like it puts me in my peak state to perform. That's the best and, time to work to out. Come in, come into my office clear, and good day, bad day, I, I handle them both better if my mental clarity is oh, yeah. there. So gut health is, is number one, right, when it comes oh, to... Yeah. Oh, yeah. On the five pillars... Uh, when you're young and your hormones should be balanced, like a, a woman that's in her, say, her peak hormone years is 21 to 35, okay? She can get hormone balance just by having poor gut health. She can have difficulty sleeping just because of poor gut health. Oh, wow. She can she can ha not have the energy to want to do resistance training or exercise because of poor gut health. Yeah. Her gut health can influence nutrition because what happens is such concept as microbiome, the gut flora. And so there's certain bacteria, that, what I call bad bacteria, that'll make you crave bad food. It'll make you crave all these carbs. And in fact, there's a lot of studies that show that if you are, are intimately involved, like if you're married to someone who's obese, you're gonna take on mm -hmm. oh, that yeah. obesity oh, tendency because of the hand. gut flora. Even now, if somebody has a terrible gut and they get something, an infection called C. diff, you know, uh, Clostridia difficile, then you might have to do a stool transplant. That gut health is very critical. In psychiatry, they, they've seen a link between schizophrenia and bipolarism just because of poor gut health. Wow. Gut is critical. That's incredible. That's insane. So the last one, you touched on it already. It's, it's a hormone balance. Mm -hmm. um, how, I mean, I'm a guy, I'm 41 years old. How does it affect a guy as he gets older? Because I've got friends that, uh, you know, they say, you, should, you know, and you know this already too, but they say you should go see the doctor regularly as once a year, get a physical, uh, make sure your levels are okay. And and uh, so, I mean, just in general, how big is hormone balance? And, and for guys like me, what, what do you mean hormone balance? Like, I thought hormones were only for women. Well, well, you know, our body, our hormones are our life because, you know, everybody's married with thyroid being important and insulin right. being important. But the sex hormones are critical. And the sex hormones affect our mood, affects our bones, affect so many things, our heart. But keep in mind, the problem is what I see is mismanagement is that men have come to me over the years who are less than 40 on testosterone placement therapy. I think that borderlines on malpractice. When a man is younger than 40, you need to find out a cause for that. There's a secondary cause usually of men having low T. Either they have a big, huge, large gut, or they might have you know, a pituitary tumor because the prolactin levels are high, it's gonna push down the testosterone level, or they just chronically stressed, or they a night shift worker, like working a graveyard shift, or they got stress in a lot. You don't just throw them on testosterone. You're gonna destroy the, what we call the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis once and for all. That's why you see it when these kids are in high school and college and they do this uh, androgen doping. Yeah. Okay, are they taking these androgen modulators called, you know, SARMs, you know, selective um, uh, receptor androgen modulators. So when you see these things, I tell them all the time, say, look, that's going to impact you negatively. Like with women, women are taking birth control at early as 13, 14, 15 years old. Yeah. It can throw them off. I've had to help women uh, reset their HPA axis when it comes to their sex hormones because they couldn't get pregnant 
without that. And I've helped several women get pregnant who have gone to infertility specialists when it was just a simple thing of balancing their hormones. Progesterone is critical for women when they're young. But, but getting back to that, so here's the problem that I see. Men want the testosterone level checked, but they're getting the total testosterone level. That's not sufficient. What's sufficient is the free testosterone level. It's like if Adela came to you and said, honey, I need some money. And you said, you know, uh, our, 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 our son or our grandchild wants an ice cream. And you say, I don't have any money in my back pocket, but I got a debit card. We can go to the, you know, Rite Aid and we can get some ice cream at the debit card. So the way I look at it is that there's three comps of testosterone. There's total testosterone, which means you got a million dollars, but it's locked up in a CD with a 10-year maturity and you just purchased you just it. You can't touch it. Okay, you can't touch it without a huge discount. And, or then you have money in the bank, which is like your debit card. That's bioavailable testosterone. So what the doctors don't do, they don't look at your bioavailable testosterone, they don't look at your free testosterone. The free testosterone is the money that's right in your back pocket that is ready to be used on a drop of a hat. And so what happens, I see these patients come in, doc, my testosterone's fine, you know, my testosterone's 600. I go ahead and check, their sex hormone binding globin is sky high. They're at risk of diabetes. Wow. Their estrogen levels are sky high because they're converting the testosterone to estrogen. The estrogen is making them at risk of prostate cancer, breast cancer, man boobs, all this other stuff. Big old gut. And I look at them and say, no, no, no. Here's the problem. We got to look at your free testosterone level. We got to look at your bioavailable testosterone. Now, if those things are deficient, we got to look at the cause. If you're less than 40, I start doing the five pillars of health in earnest. If they're over 50, I start saying, well, maybe you already have what we call testicular hypofunction or your testicles are now failing. At that point, we probably have to give you testosterone supplementation. In between 40 and 50, it's kind of like, a, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, it just depends, okay? For me, I'm able to keep my testosterone level up because I'm, I'm vigorous at keeping my belly down, hitting the weights, watch what I'm eating. I had a patient once, he came to see me, he was 75 years old, and he was concerned that he might have some testosterone deficiency, but he had been working out for years. When I actually went through all the paces to evaluate him with the saliva testing, urine testing for testosterone, as well as blood tests, that's another thing I can go into about blood testing is not as accurate as these other ones. But anyway, so when I checked him all out, he was fine. I told him, you do not need testosterone release in therapy. I said, keep doing what you're doing. He was doing all the five pills of health on his own. He was a physician, actually, so he knew what to do. Mm -hmm. And so he was just doing it. So, so then he didn't need any testosterone. He no in help his from mind, me. He thought he needed. Yeah, he just want to be checked out. Okay, so and he's good. He's been good. <laughs> he's and so good. And I, good that was years. my next question: was who is the oldest, or what was the oldest client that you had come in see you in regards to you know having a wellness kind of you know a checked out? Well, I have patients come in their eighties to come to me. In fact, I have a patient. I guess nineteen thirty-five. She scheduled an appointment. So what is nineteen thirty-five? What's uh, that? Nineteen thirty-five. Uh, Sixteen years. Four. So 84, yeah. yeah. yeah, And so it's not unusual I get people in their 70s and 80s uh, that come see me. My typical patient for hormone therapy or for wellness is women between the ages of 50 and 60 because when they become postmenopausal, a lot of things change. It impacts their marriages, it impacts their own oh, health, yeah. the way they look at life, their careers, everything. everything so yeah. I would say probably in my wellness program, probably 60, 70% of the patients are, are women in that age group. So wow. help a lot. That's incredible. Okay, so um, wow, I just got a lot of information. I, know, I learned a lot today. I learned a lot. So thank you so much. That was a, a, a huge education on your your health, your overall wellness of taking care of yourself. But when it comes down to it, it's uh, your so 
he's showing me this, let's see, health and quality of life, you know, how to age well in your 20s, 40s, 60s. And it talks about just the choices that you make, you know, and how it leads into high blood sugar levels, high cholesterol, hormone imbalances, depression. And I see that today. I actually, I'm now like thinking about all my clients that I, it's very evident. I mean, some of them, I can't even get them approved for a life insurance because, and they're in their 20s, but they're five foot one and 300 pounds. And it's heartbreaking because I can't help them with that. So I can definitely um, see where. Um, so it looks like on that graph, it's showing two different lifestyles between your 20s, 30, your 40s, 40s 60s, 60s, and 80s. So basically, it looks like there's two different lineages one for a person that's active and that's trying to live a healthy lifestyle and a person that's kind of just going through the motions is that is that basically what it's saying and the end result is one lives uh well into their 60s 70s 80s on a more of a healthier level and the other person can barely get around that's it in fact if you notice at the beginning they both start off with optimal health and then the one who's on the optimal health curve the wellness curve you see at age 60 they're still riding a bike, keeping yeah. up with the 20 year old. Yeah. Look at the other six year, he has a cane. Mm -hmm. When you're on the oh, medical wow. managed curve, look at the 80 year old yeah. there on the wellness curve. Mm -hmm. She's hanging out with her grandchild, mm -hmm. got the health of the 40 year old who's on the medical curve. Yeah. And then look at the 80 year old on the medical curve is in a wheelchair. Yeah. Wow, There's a scary. huge difference. Well, and I think and that's, that's what for I show us. patients. You know, that's that's one of the things we talk to, we share with our kids. So our kids go work out with us, mm -hmm. and they're involved in our soccer, you know, matches. And there's sometimes where I'm like thinking, gosh, I'm getting older. I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I don't want to end up on that other scale because of the choices that we make. So I definitely want to keep, you know, living a healthy lifestyle and making the right choices for our kids. So this is incredible. So we'll have to take a picture of this and share this with you. Um, for our listeners out there. Yeah. Hey, so um, Dr. Beatty, where can people find you at? What's your address? What's a good number to contact you at? Or are you on social media? Like, how can we find you? Uh, well, my Facebook page is, is, is not really public. Uh, it's kind of more of a private page, but um, some people contact me on Facebook. I do reach out to, to my, at least my friends on Facebook, a lot of wellness information. Um, I do have a website. My website is hughbeatty.com md.com and you get introduced to my office that way my address is there but my address is 6001 Truxton Avenue Building B um, uh, Bakersfield California 93309 my office uh, phone number is 395-0315 and that's 661 Erico. Can you spell your your first name is H-U-G-H can you spell Beatty? Yeah Beatty is spelled B-E-A-T-T-Y B-E-A-T-T-Y for those of you guys that are writing down uh, his website that's awesome. You know what, Dr. Bay? I'm just going to tell you, I've never had the pleasure of meeting you. Adele has always spoken highly of you. Um, I can see why now. And I love the fact that you seem, even though I can tell you're a highly intelligent, well-read gentleman, um, you seem to make the complicated simple for guys like me to understand. So I appreciate that 100%. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, no. So thank you. Um, so let me ask you, what what kind of what's the next 10, 15 years as far as your practice? What, what do you want to expand? Do you want to stay kind of small, private, one on one patient care? What's that? What what do you see for that happening? Well, wellness cannot be done like uh, medical care is done on the assembly line. Yeah. 
And that's the beauty of wellness care. And my patients don't want that either. Right. And they are actually paying out of pocket because wellness care is not covered by insurance. Some aspect, the workup can be covered by insurance, but when you start having these hour consultations, insurance companies doesn't cover that. But what the patients have noticed is that once they get well, they don't need me. They start questioning, why do I have insurance? Right. They start questioning, you know, all this money that is spent in big pharmaceutical industries mm-hmm. and, and, and insurances as well as hospital care. So they see that actually it's cheaper in the long run to be healthy, if you really think about it's it. True. Okay, so so they quickly see the benefits of uh, to their pocketbook of being well. The thing is, going forward, I know that I love practicing wellness. I don't want to practice any other medicine. This has actually rejuvenated my career. Uh, I still do medical care, so I don't just uh, go ahead and turn away people who have come to me who have medical issues. And I still do medical care on the patients who are well. Sometimes they'll get an infection. Sometimes they injure themselves. Sometimes they need epidurals. I still do the pain management. Okay. But they don't need me as often. Okay. And so, so I envision that at least the next 10 years, I want to continue to practice this way. Uh, there's no need for me to hire what we call a mid-level or a nurse practitioner PA because the patients all want to see me anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then plus the way my practice is set up, I only see about 10 to 12 patients a day. And based on that, I have the time for the patients and it all works out. And that way I don't get overburdened and overworked. So Right. That's incredible. That um that just goes to show what type of care he gives. You know, like he said, it's not treating the the condition or the symptoms by writing prescriptions because we hear that in, you know, the news and all this opiate addictions and so forth. And so treating the symptoms through the five pillars of well, of health, it's so critical. Yeah. And you made a good point because, uh, I, you know, they, I think I just read earlier today how Israel came out with this new, um, some way to treat cancer or basically how to kill cancer cells. But, you know, people were questioning why is, why does it come out in Israel, not in the United States? And one of the guys was commenting and he said, well, cancer is big, great for business. Yes, cancer is great for business, billion dollar industry. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to kill that kind of industry. It is, and that's where doctors who practice wellness, what I call my practice, functional medicine or restorative medicine, regenerative medicine, all those terms are synonymous, also alternative medicine. But doctors have gotten in trouble by, by overstepping their grounds when it comes to cancer care. You can't say in wellness that you're gonna cure people's cancer. All you can do is say, we can lower the, your risk of it. Because think about it. If you're healthy, you have less of a risk of cancer. That's true. That's true. And and cancer is an inflammatory process. So if you follow what I was saying at the very beginning of the podcast, I was saying that my whole focus is lower oxidation. Right. What gets oxidized? The DNA. If the DNA gets oxidized, you get mutations in that DNA. In fact, one of the tests that I run is looking at oxidation of the DNA and seeing what range you're in. Uh, this uh, substance, a uh, blood test we call the C-reactive protein. C-reactive protein is measuring inflammation once again. And so I look at these inflammatory markers. If you keep the inflammation down, the risk of cancer drops. So I don't ever tell people that I can cure cancer. I tell them that, look, we can do everything we possibly can to be healthy to lower our risk of cancer. The problem is too many people are doing things that are inflammatory to the body. They smoke too much, they drink alcohol, they don't get sleep, they eat toxic foods, and then they are shocked that they get cancer. They want to blame it on genetics. I said, no, the only thing that's genetically linked is that you're eating the same crappy diet your family mm. ate. Yeah. Mm. That's 100%. the only thing that's linked. Because 80% of cancer is caused by the environment. 
genetics is only, you can be predisposed to genetics. So you might have a predisposition to cancer in your genetics, but that doesn't mean it has to manifest. In fact, some people will smoke like a chimney and never get lung cancer. Some people will never smoke and get lung cancer. But what's what's similar is this, the per, they both are inflamed. So it just depends on what your genes will manifest. Some people get diabetes, hypertension, heart disease and never get cancer. Other people get cancer and never get diabetes and heart blood pressure. Uh So it just depends on what your genetic predisposition is. So I tell them, I say, look, don't be focused so much on genetics. Let's do a weekend control. You can control whether you smoke or not. You can control what you're eating. You control whether you're drinking or not. You can control and create environments you can sleep. We can balance those hormones out. We can get you hydrate more. We can get you to take something. Let's do that and then see. You're going to really lower your odds of cancer doing it that wow. way. That's incredible. Dang. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you guys took notes. You guys can cure yourselves. You know, it's it's all wellness. You know, taking that, making that decision and making sure you make the best choices for a healthy lifestyle and longevity because you can definitely get there in a cane and a wheelchair or you can get there still active like a 40-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. And the key to that curve there is a square curve. Look at the optimum health line. That those people do very well and yeah. all of a sudden just drop drop off. Yeah. So what I want in my life, I want to be at peak health and all of a sudden just the last week of life, boom, do yeah. bad and I die. Yeah. I don't want to be suffering for 30 years in some rest home with I dementia. I think that's normal though. Yeah, it is. That's normal. Yeah, because people are so inflamed. Now I see why when I talk to people and I tell them like, you know, hey, I'm 41. They're like, oh man, 41, I'm old. Like I have classmates that I went to school with and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm old, I'm old, I'm old, I'm old. Or you can certainly look that they, they look 50, 60. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're our age. That's kind of scary. <laughs> well, I'm 60 years old, and people are telling well, me all great, the time. Yeah. Okay, thank I'm you. I'm saying just because you told me I yeah. look good, you look yeah. good too. <laughs> but I work at it. But I have people who are who tell me all the time, man, what are you doing? You look preserved. You're, you dip yourself in formaldehyde. I said no. <laughs> when you when you allow your body project. to heal, <laughs> yeah. But when you allow your body to heal, I want to touch base on what you had was talking about, Adela, about health. Yeah. There was something I posted on Facebook. It said healthy self if you break that down in the syllables it means heal thyself mm-hmm. in order to have a healthy self you got to heal thyself yeah and well how do I you heal yourself by hydrating yeah. by exercising by getting the proper sleep by doing things that are rich in antioxidants and guess what your body has started healing itself god's up a natural process to heal ourselves but we do the opposite yeah, we toxic true. foods oh, yeah. we we overeat we don't get proper sleep. We don't work out at all. Right. Okay. And then we can't understand why at 40, we feel like we're 80. No, it's true. Because we're not taking care of ourselves. No, and it's true because um, that was always my mentality because I saw my parents, they weren't active. And I see them now. Yeah, they're still what active, but they think working out is just gardening or pulling out the weeds. I'm like, they've never worked out. So that was my mindset. I'm not going to do with my parents as much as I love them dearly. I'm not going to be that way. My mom was 40 when she got breast cancer. And so when I was looking at all these markers, I was like, she, I, I don't do anything that she does. The, 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 type of work that she did um the environment that she was in i mean i can see where the cancer was definitely evident and so then i had my parent my dad's parents um diabetes they were short short mexicans that ate mexican food and didn't take care of themselves didn't exercise so they lived in a state of inflammation yes you know and i now that you you've pinpointed that it makes a lot of sense looking at all these charts 
they were they lived their entire life in inflammation so i can see why you know cancer was elevated their age they looked i thought my grandma died when she was in her what i'm sorry in the late 80s i was maybe five six seven years old i thought she was 80 because the way she looked she Mm -hmm. looked so tired exhausted short had no energy no energy and she had no energy because she was inflamed yeah she was inflamed because she was oxidized yeah so she basically was a discharge battery yes so if you're not recharging yourself you're gonna just have no energy at all and so when people come at dr bait i have no energy guess what i'm not thinking about a drug to give them energy i'm thinking about okay we're gonna have to start doing things that give you energy oxidizing wow no and it, it just I mean, the smoking, obesity, diet, and the sugar. I mean, I see our family that, you know, have those big gulps, you know. I'm like, do you know how much sugar that is? But, you know, it's just like, oh, well, I don't have, I don't eat a lot of salt. And it's the opposite. It's that misconception. It's still the the white stuff. It's just the wrong white stuff. So, um, and they have poor sleep habits, Mm -hmm. you know. They don't work out because they don't have energy. I mean, think about it. I mean, there's so many now. I mean, this is just, it's. They live in a state. So now I'm going to go around town like, you're inflamed. You're inflamed. Yeah, you're inflamed. Like what I you're do. Inflamed. I don't tell them that. I just look at it. I just look at it. Or if I they know say, somebody that can help you. Or if they say to me, hey, Doc, I'm thinking about coming to see you. And I'm already thinking to myself, yeah, you do need to come see me. Yeah, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I, so. It's just, it's mind blowing to me. So I, I'm just, now, uh, one question I do have. Because you practice wellness, do you have any peers that kind of look frown upon you because you're not practicing medicine like writing prescriptions and you know yeah but whenever you're a trendsetter (laughs) if you're a trendsetter and you're not having an impact then you're not you're not you know you if you're not having people that are are talking about you yeah and and saying things then you're not making an impact and yeah i have some of that going on but here's the thing i've done it long enough and i have now great results i don't even care about that yeah i don't even think about that because the bottom line is was the alternative to go back to just only keeping them inflamed Mm -hmm. only managing their illness Mm -hmm. my patients don't want that i got people who are coming to me who's saying look i want to be well they're coming that way now i got patients who are healthy they're sending family i got people who come from all over california i got some people who come from other states now my practice is not just a bakersfield practice they want to do what I'm doing for them. Yeah. You see, in fact, I just took a little bit of wellness on the road last week. I had some people wanting me to do some PRP um, uh, facials on them, and my friend's a dentist down in Long Beach, and so we had talked about it because he has he has uh, nephews and nieces that have bad acne, cystic acne, and so I had been telling him about yeah. this. So I went down there and did that. Plus, his dad had just had hip replacement surgery about three months ago was still in a walker he's a pastor wow you know when i saw him two weeks ago he was trying to get up on stage to preach with his walker when i finished with it because of the pain management i he had a hip flexor tendonitis and he had some trigger points i did that simply in his was office he took inflamed me 10 minutes when you first met he's still in pain <laughs> oh, okay but that part's not inflamed <laughs> and he got up he was able to jog an office when this wow. man for the last two years could barely move that's incredible and so those are the things that i love it's really about the diet it's always been about diagnosis cause 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 right. okay just like in real estate location 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 the problem is until you do wellness you can't do anything about the cause yeah because in medicine all we do is treating symptoms. We say, okay, you got high blood pressure. Here's the pill. No, why do you have a high blood pressure? Right. No, it's you have so diabetes. True. Here's a pill. But why do you why? have diabetes? Yes, it's true. That's what takes time. Oh, believe me, I'm going to send a lot of my clients that, over. But when you finally treat that, they're yeah. like, oh, it's an aha moment. Yeah. 
They're saying, well, can you see my family? Can you see my friends? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I can see them. As long as they motivate it and want to be and well. And willing to pay for it. Because yes. like for us, we haven't had medical insurance because for one, I we don't go to the doctor very much, but we heal ourselves in a yes. sense. That's it. Making sure we make the right choices and and having the right lifestyle and the the food intake and stuff. Right. And obviously now listening to what all the information you've given us, there's so many benefits to adding to what we do already yes. that I'm excited to implement. So and mm. I just bought baking soda too because or yeah. is it baking soda right? Yeah, baking um, soda. Because I read it and I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna try it, but I hadn't oh, yeah. really heard it. Oh yeah. And so I'm, I'm gonna start implementing it. You yeah, know, one of the benefits of baking soda it actually can take kidneys that are failing and restore them yeah. and that's what people don't so that as we age think about it Adela when you was working in the OR you saw how people had borderline oh, kidney yeah. function some of these older people yes but the thing is we got to restore that we got to drink plenty of water to keep your kidneys healthy we got to have mm-hmm. bacon soda to keep them healthy we got to have sodium to keep them healthy <laughs> you know come on you got to exercise got to yes. do resistance training to keep them healthy yes. who wants to have kidney failure and be on dialysis the last 10 15 years of life so i don't true. i know i don't no that's no. crazy it's a quality of life yeah, and, it and it just reminds me of a, a client that i i had in hanford and she was in her 50s but her body was wearing down and you can mm-hmm. see how her muscle tone she didn't work mm-hmm. out but it, it the effects and the info she lived in a state of inflammation oh yeah and it's just it's sad because she's only 50. Yeah. um you know ariel's dad passed away when he was 53 and and it's just different choices of lifestyle you now know? one and, thing i want you to to focus on and i ask patients this i say to them i said at what age do you want to lose your health and all of them look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. And you know what I tell them? Generally, I'm saying that to them because they already have lost their health. Right. And, I, and they say, I don't ever want to lose it. I said, you already lost it. Right. Because I'm saying things to them to wake to them, wake them up. up. Right. Because one of the hardest things to do is to wake up somebody who is in denial. Yeah. I say, look, you already lost your health. They say, what do you mean? I said, look, then I start showing them the labs. I put them on the Tanita scale. I show them that their physiologic ages is way larger than their chronological years. Wow. And then I explained to them why they lost their health. Yeah. And they said, okay, what should I do about it? I said, now I got your attention. This is what we have to do. Yeah. And then when they get better, like, wow, you were right. And there's only one or two ways. Either you're going to have poor health or you're going to have great health. Yeah. And and the concept is that for poor health, keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You want great health, we got to do t- something totally different. We got to change it. We got to change everything. No, and it, and it reminds me because I, I just met that gentleman that I was sharing with you. You you were interviewed on her mm-hmm. on her podcast or her her thing and and just listening to him because he's 88 Mm -hmm. so he's you know 20 years Mm -hmm. older than her Mm -hmm. and he looks fantastic Mm -hmm. you know and his mind is sharp and he's like look i don't overindulge i Mm -hmm. take care of myself i don't take any medication i heal myself he's Mm -hmm. very much believes in scripture and Mm -hmm. and he follows it and he's like look my body's gonna fail when the Lord says my body's gonna fail. Oh, yeah. Not, I'm not gonna give him a reason because of the my my choices that I made mm-hmm. for that to happen. But when he read, he's ready. I'm ready. Yes. So he that's plans true. to keep working in his 90s, maybe even 100. But he looks that great, you yes. know. But because of the choices, so it's incredible. So I I hope you guys got a ton of value. I know I sure did. I know Ariel did, and Eladio did, and and I'm so thankful and honored, honestly, to to take this time. I know you're a busy man, and you have a lot more things to do with your time and so I'm so thankful that we had the pleasure of interviewing you today and um, knowing that you know you're here in our community and there's 
a ton of doctors out there, but they're treating the symptoms or, you know, they're just kind of masking it with with prescriptions instead of treating the wealth of your actual um, body. And so know that if you have inflammation, if you're living in a state of inflammation, Dr. Beatty is your guy. So thank you so much for joining us. And, and, you know, Doc, again, I appreciate your time. Uh, I know your time is valuable and everybody's got stuff to do, lives to live. So I, I learned a ton today. Um, the cool part is, is that I've been in the health industry for a while, so I understand a lot of the underlying stuff. Obviously, you, you went about 10 floors mm-hmm. higher than... <laughs> But I had the base enough to to understand what you were talking about. So I learned a ton. This is, I think this is, and honestly, this is basic information it should is. be taught in high school. Yes, it should. Like be. It sh- it's that elementary simple. school. Yeah. Okay. Like instead of going I to agree. the food pyramid, well, let's figure out. <laughs> right. You remember that the food right. pyramid? And the food pyramid is incorrect. Yeah, I know. Okay, so. so instead of instead <laughs> of does, teaching yeah. the food pyramid, they should go like how to fill out a checkbook, how right. what a credit score looks right. like, how to retire, that the too. different types, and then I also agree. go into the health because then kids will leave school right. and have a pretty good base to, to live life. So anyways, thank you for your time, uh, Dr. Beatty. I really, really, really appreciate it. And for those of you guys, you know where we're at. If you found this podcast uh, valuable and you found uh, Dr. Beatty's insight and information and knowledge uh, uh, amazing like we did, please review our podcast. Leave us a, a rating, review, and and subscribe. And if you have any friends and family members that that, that will va- take a value um, value from our podcast, please share it because that's how our numbers grow. And the cool part is is that just via social media, uh, we've been able to push to close to a thousand uh, listeners a week. So it's pretty cool to grow something like this organically. So with that being said, you guys, thank you for jumping on the Power Couple Financial Podcast. Uh, on behalf of my wife, Adela, and I, we thank you so much, and we look forward to the next episode. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Power Couple Financial Podcast. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Ariel or Adela Gonzalez at Arrive Financial and Insurance Services. Call 661-636-6862 or visit them online at arrivefinancialservices.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Insurance products and services offered through Arrive Financial and Insurance Services. Ariel Gonzalez, Adela Gonzalez, and Arrive Financial and Insurance Services are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.